0: Okay, the summary for Daphne and Beis, it picks up on the middle of the mimer where it talks about why Moshe Rabbeinu told Hashem, quote unquote, you know, uh, I am of heavy mouth and heavy tongue and Hashem replied, who do you think uh, gave a mouth to man? Which again, the whole conversation seems to be obvious. So we went on to explain that Mishra Rabbeinu, together with Chanoich, were from sort of a previous creation, a world that existed before our world, not a physical world, but a conceptual world called Toyo. And it's only here in the world of Tikkun that there can be order and process. And in this page of the Maimon, Dathlin base the starts to talk about the structure of the spiritus that is possible only in the world of Tikkun. And it creates what's called the Pirtsu, a full system. So that even though every individual skill is assigned to its individual body part, the eyes see and the ears hear and the feet uh, are mobile, et cetera. Yet there's also a interaction between them so that when there's pain in one part of the body, the brain senses it. When the, when the head wants to move, the feet automatically react. And this is only possible in a world of tikkun where there's order and process. Then we quoted uh, the Sefi Yitzira that says that the beginning is wedged in the end. That just like in a project, you see the ultimate objective that was the original inspiration for the project only when the project is completed. Well, the same manner is true that the ultimate purpose of creation is illustrated specifically in the, quote, most ordinary of behaviors in the midst of actions. <laughs> just as the, the mind, the brain, is um, assisted by the mobility of the feet, even though the mobility of the feet appears to be something rather insignificant and unimportant, or less important than the infinite intellect of the brain. But yet, the, it, it that is the mobility of the feet provide a service that the head would otherwise not have. And we find this in Torah that mitzvahs are sufficient uh, cause to interrupt Torah study that so we put aside Torah study for. Our, uh, celebrating with the uh, Kala, even if it's the Kriya Shema, it's the declaration of our whole identity. We override the prohibition of shatness in order to, to fulfill the of tzitzis and so forth, that we bring this loftiest of levels down to the most ordinary. And it's not just in a sort of uh, secondary fashion. It is, as the t- term goes, that the supporters of Torah are more profound than the, the, the study of Torah itself. Now, as we mentioned, of course, this is Moshe Rabbeinu coming from this sort of previous existence. And this is what he says to Hashem, that I am a heavy mouth and heavy tongue. That is, that Moshe Rabbeinu's capacities uh, are so overwhelming that they can't be organized into Tikkun. And Moshe, in his humility, says, send someone who's better at it. That is, Moshe expresses... This sort of reverence, maybe you might even call it like jealousy or admiration, better for the world of tikkun, where you can have this virtue of the beginning and the end wedged together. And that's why Hashem responds. And he says, who is it that gives a mouth to man, not just a um, man, but mankind? It is I. And that I quality, that level of godliness is what Hashem is saying, assuring Moshe that he can combine the two qualities, the intensity of Moshe's origin of toyu, embedded in the orderliness of the world in which we are in. And that's what Hashem says. Who is it that places a mouth to man? Question mark. Answer, I. Meaning, again, we know that Moshe knows that Hashem created human beings. Again, Hashem's point is that I, the essence of Hashem, which is not restricted by toyu and tikkun, is able to bring this uh, distinctive quality into the physical world, and this is why Hashem dispatches Moshe Rabenu, because He is going—that is, Hashem is going—to communicate this loftiest of levels into the routine and sort of uh, rudimentary quality of the of the human existence. That basically summarizes the rest of the meimron. Daf uh, fifty-two, I'm in mean, Bay's on the back side of this page. There is an entire meimron; it's a column and a half that begins with the statement that Hashem says it is my name forever and my recollection for all generations. And he explained that the word my name plus Yud-K gets you the 365, which suggests the 365 prohibitions. And this is my recollection, plus the vav hey, the second half of Hashem's name, gets you 248, which is the number of obligations. And it also talks touches on why Teru Shema was not written down. What do these concepts have to do with each other? So we explained a similar idea that the prohibitions suggest a level of godliness that cannot be captured by a behavior. That is, the godliness that is captured by a mitzvah, When we shake the lulav, we wear tzitzvah, we put on tefillin, we are able to incorporate and manifest a very defined level of godliness. When we resist the temptation to do an in that is, when we are compliant with the prohibitions, we are able to bring down a level of godliness that cannot be contained. And this is similar to what it says in the Sefi Yetzirah, that in three manners, with three tools that Hashem create the world, with the author, the book, and the story, and each one of them representing these different ideas, that the written Torah is the story. It, that's why it's defined. That's why it's tangible. The level of sofer is higher than the level of the story. That is, the storyteller is a more subtle level. And that's called the level of ayah, like where is it? And ayah, like we say, ayah, where is the the place of God's glory? It's not something defined. And this classic concept in Hasidus, the less defined it is, the more substantial it is. Ayah is a combination of aleph. Yud K, that there's a level that precedes even the Yud K of Hashem, which we commonly think of as the loftiest level of godliness. But it is, of course, preceded even by the more intense level of godliness, the level called Chachma of Etsilas, because Yud K is still part of this creation, as is described. And then we see this in the shape of the Aleph, that it's the Yud above and the Yud below, the idea of bringing the highest down to the lowest. And with depth, and breadth, and so forth. Now, in general, this is the difference also between Teresha and Teresha just like the obligation mitzvahs mean that we have a defined illustration through tzitzit and esrig and so forth, and the loisa says the prohibitions mean that the level of godliness cannot be contained and uh, illustrated. Well, the same is true in the written Torah and the oral Torah. The written Torah suggests a level of godliness that can be contained the oral Torah is too lofty to be contained, and the same is true with the rabbinic mitzvahs, that since the ultimate purpose of all rabbinic mitzvahs is to create a fence to protect us from violating a prohibition, so it falls under that category of the prohibited mitzvahs, and the prohibited mitzvahs re- manifest in inaction, represent a level of godliness that cannot be attained through behavior, it's not containable, it can't be compressed into existence, as such, the Torah, the Divri the, Seifrim, the rabbinic commandments, like the Oral Torah, like the Loisa says, is an uh, incapturable, lofty level of godliness.